0: What's up? The uh, following episode of Talkin' Story brought to us by Baja Bound Auto Insurance, the easiest way to buy Mexican auto insurance. You can purchase and print out your Mexican insurance policy from their website. Again, BajaBound.com, serving mainland Mexico and Baja. They have uh, temporary or long-term auto policies available. You can get a quote now, super easy. They've been around since 1994, and they can cover your your car, your bus, SUV, truck, van, motorcycle, scooter. <laughs> BajaBound.com. Thank you. Today, I want to thank uh, my friends David and Susan over at the Old Globe for, for syncing me up, hooking me up with our guest here, talking story with Cameron Crow. What, uh, what an amazing opportunity Cameron here in San Diego working on his new uh, musical and he's got almost famous the musical kicking off this friday here in san diego he's been in town for weeks now working with an amazing cast and crew and uh, we got the chance to sit down with cameron while on break because they did a they did a preview week and now they're they're back in production kind of tweaking stuff and then they open full-blown uh, this friday there are limited tickets available through the oldglobe.org and I certainly encourage you to see the production. I can't wait to go Tuesday, especially on the heels of the, uh, the forthcoming interview. Now, I can't even begin to tell you how special uh, this was for me. Couldn't love this person more as a human, as an artist, writer, director, and uh, it was just so amazing having a one-on-one with him talking story about San Diego, the production, and one of my favorite subjects, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So great to talk to you. You too. What an amazing- to see you. Amazing opportunity. <laughs> I know, I just can't, I'm sitting across from you, and that's just, that's the best <laughs> thing ever, having you in San Diego.
1: Thank you, my brother, I need a hat like yours. Very excellent.
0: That's my kids' little league, mid-city little league since 1949. I'm a proud Little League dad. As you must be. Proud.
1: When's the next game?
0: Uh, Actually, we're on break right now. We couldn't do fall ball, so we're going to be doing spring next year. But we took a break after a tremendous run in Mid-City. We had an undefeated season of first in the league's history. Wow. Or at least i'm claiming that whether or not it's true i really don't care but it's not about me it's about you and having you back in san diego and that makes me so happy what is it like being back let's start there
1: we were working on the play in new york for a while and then uh thanks it's like you you're um you're in that world of like uh broadway shows and stuff and it's a whole new kind of environment for me for sure the actors are different and that world is different so, we were kind of building the play in New York. And then at a certain point, okay, we're all going to move to San Diego. And I went to LA for a night, and I was like, got some clothes and drove here. It was the greatest drive. <laughs> I pull off the freeway and into downtown. And it was like, this is where we belong. This is, this it. is where it's going to really come to life. Really? And I haven't lost that feeling. It's just like living in downtown where I used to live, where I grew up, building the play here. Passing my old place on Sixth Avenue every day, it's just like it's a root system that's
0: still strong. It's Did you tap right back into it, like you were right a kid, back like into you it. You sit down and you pick up right where you left off. Yeah, with the city.
1: It's it's amazing. It's like I heard uh, "Mercy, Mercy Me" Marvin Gaye on the radio as I passed the place on Sixth Ave where I first heard it, and then like went to hang with the cast at New News where what? I used to like oh my god just like try and ride my bike and deliver papers and stuff. Anyway, it's, it's like the perfect time to like reconnect with all of this because the, the Almost Famous as a story is such a tribute to San Diego, my mom, my dad, my sister, and the music that we fell in love with yeah. on these streets. That's so incredible. Yeah. I mean, I met Lester Bangs at 7th and Ash what is that, a mile and a half away from here? It's just like it's all in the same vicinity of the Old Globe Theater. It's cool.
0: And it must be just
1: mind-blowing, right? It's mind-blowing. I mean, blowing. seriously. But not a lot has changed, and then a more lot More scooters, has. more scooters. Way more scooters. Of course, <laughs> Petco being like right around the corner from where we're staying, that's new. That's a trip. That's a trip. Petco Park is really great to hang out in. But the the thing that San Diego always represented in terms of music is still the same, which yeah. is like, Bands that come here are relieved to not be in LA.
0: Right, it's so true.
1: And they're happy here.
0: Yes. Audiences are great. And when the bands play here, you could feel just the weight drop off their shoulders.
1: We would not be having this conversation. I would, I would probably be in your life somehow, <laughs> because
0: you're awesome. But
1: we wouldn't be talking about this for sure if it, if it didn't happen in San Diego, because yeah. I wouldn't have gotten the interviews That kind of created the basis for the whole almost famous story or or even like my career as a journalist. And that started
0: when you were obviously a teenager.
1: Yeah, I was 15 knocking on the backstage door of the sports arena.
0: And and I really would like you to tell the story as obviously it relates to the production here. But so many of our listeners don't really know, or maybe they're even new to San Diego. Yeah. So you grow up here, you live downtown, or in kind of the, the yeah. Bankers Hill downtown area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Where yeah. do you go to high school?
1: Went to high school at Uni High, okay. which is now part of USD. Yep. Um, lived by Fashion Valley in Friars Village. And wrote all the stories and everything for Rolling Stone, that, you know, the, the stuff that got me into Rolling Stone there. But the amazing thing was... The bands that were playing San Diego were kind of happy to have a young guy that loved their music right. with a tape recorder. It'll never it'll never show up in L.A. or New York where it matters. It'll right. just stay in San Diego where it's cool.
0: And I could say stuff that I probably <laughs> wouldn't say on those bigger radars.
1: Absolutely. That's amazing. I went to the Civic Theater. It was so great. Civic Theater looks exactly the same way. I had my first date at an Elton John concert there. It was a disaster. <laughs> But the place is still the same, and and I had gone there. I went there like seven months later to try and get an interview with Chris Christofferson, and uh, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll we'll talk. You know, I might have to go to a bar with my uh, my wife Rita afterwards, but I'll I'll find a way to talk to you." So he takes me back to this bar afterwards, and of course they're not letting me in because it's they're, a bar. You're underage. I'm, you know, underage. So he sat out in these big lounge chairs, these red leather lounge chairs outside the bar and gave me this great interview in which he said, I'm recording this new album with Bob Dylan. It's kind of a secret. It's down in Mexico. And we did this recording. I left that night and like wrote Rolling Stone a letter saying I have an interview with Chris Christopherson where he reveals there's a new Bob Dylan album, oh my and gosh. that got me into Rolling Stone for the and first time. And that was time. it. That was yeah. your it. But I, you know, San Diego was just filled with magic for me of and stuff like that.
0: And when and did you leave? Do you remember when you actually put San Diego on the rear view?
1: Yeah, I was uh, I was eighteen. And uh, met a woman that I really liked. It was like my first girlfriend, Always. and she lived in New York, so I went to stay with her in New York. Sure. and My parents freaked out, and you know, I would come back. That's what from freaked time your parents
0: out—not going on the road with rock bands, moving no. in with a girl in the city.
1: Chris, you know, I <laughs> I must say, when I came back from touring with Led Zeppelin, I just said they are really nice young intellectuals. Mom, yeah, very nice really guys. Happy. Real kind. She was teaching at City College, so I was like, these are the kind of people you'd run into at city college, In the arts mom. programs, the
0: drama kids. In the arts program,
1: yeah. she, of course, there, there was no Hammer of the Gods book to read, so Ooh. she couldn't say, tell me about the Edgewater Inn incident. Wow. No. The
0: shark. No. I'll never forget it as a kid. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it, it, it was, it was a, um, a great time where all the radio stations were cool to listen to, and the, the city felt musical to me, and yeah. still does.
0: So as it relates to almost famous on the big stage. The, the obvious, what's that like for you, taking it to a different medium?
1: You know, musical theater was always something that I was aware of, and, and uh, we used to watch plays when, when I lived here. As a kid, my, my parents like would take me to plays at the Old Globe and see Shakespeare, and I'd sure. fight it like hell. I wanted <laughs> it's to Like just going to church or something? Home. Yeah, it was like going to church. And they were like, one day you'll brag about seeing Shakespeare at the Got Old Globe up. Theater. I'm like, I'm never going to brag about seeing Shakespeare at the Old Globe Theater. And here okay, we are. Every day, Chris, I brag about seeing <laughs> Shakespeare. I don't remember much, but As actually, I remember the actor Christopher Walken was playing in something at the at the Old Globe Theater when we were living across the street and he would always be in the laundry room what? washing his stuff and so like after pulp fiction came out my mom was like that's the guy that was always washing the in the laundry after hours i'm like no that's amazing that's amazing, amazing. <laughs> that's amazing um, it was amazing how San Diego ran through the later stuff, too, even after I left home. So we would always write about Pearl Jam, and I, right. I became friends with the guys in Pearl Jam. And Eddie Vedder is
0: such a San Diego Ooh. dude, you know? Seeing him this weekend at Ohana.
1: Well, we always talk about the sports arena and you know, shows that we saw at the sports arena, The Who at the sports arena, yeah. and stuff like that. And he said to me, like, one of the last times that, that I talked with him, he said... Man, if they ever try and take down the sports arena, we got to really just get out there and petition and do everything we can. And I heard recently that there's only a few years left for the sports arena. Yeah, they
0: just got the rights to it. Just within the last couple of weeks, the sports arena is going to be done. I don't know, Chris. There's a
1: storm coming there. There's a storm coming. I'm
0: not afraid. I must say. It's magical.
1: It's magic. It is. One of the first concerts I ever went to, which is kind of referenced in the play of Almost Famous was, you know, a near riot at the sports arena when The Who played, and Pete Townsend came out with this crown in a silver jumpsuit, and he said,
0: Hello, San Diego!
1: It's a wonderful thing to be here to play in your effing trash can! Yes! So I always think of that every time I see the sports arena. And that
0: was the 70s, and it hasn't changed since. Early
1: 70s, the trash can (laughs) is looking good.
0: What is it, from your opinion, you know, you've seen every band under the sun and probably in every venue on the planet. You have. What is it about the sports arena to you that that is so special because I've heard artists before say they love playing that room dating back to the time you're talking about? What is it about that room?
1: It's really a great question. Some places just hold the memories, you know? Some places, it? just just you can feel what's happened in that room.
0: It's funny you say that, because I just got invited to see last, and I didn't go, to see Guns N' Roses at the Palladium. Yeah. And then I found out the ticket price. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and But the re- real reason was, was like, because I saw them at the sports arena, yeah. and Soundgarden opened. Oh and my I will God. never forget those two shows back to back. They're in this bank that they'll never leave and they don't need to be replaced i'm with you they're they're still in those walls same I with know you it. too in that venue man it's crazy
1: uh i won tickets to see elvis presley oh you went to a one of those little kids so i went to the 70 oh. that's the first time i got to go to a concert I got to talk my parents into letting me use the tickets I'd won on the radio. What they were like? It's a surprise concert. Call to Those win are the legendary tickets. legendary shows. It was seventy. He he did a Richard Nixon impression on his back. Uh, all I I just remember from that night. It's like Elvis is feeling loose tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like
1: when we came there to shoot the the concert scenes in Almost Famous, Jason Lee. Remember, he was standing on the stage. He said, I can feel stuff in this room. And I'm like, Yeah, Elvis was on his back imitating Richard Nixon where you're standing. Oh, that's amazing. I can feel it. We took the cast of the play there a couple weeks ago, and it was like, it's just as vivid. It's just a place where. The spirit of what really matters in music feels intact. Yeah. You know? And it's not a nostalgic thing. It's just like, I don't know. Some sometimes there are places that like the Palladium in LA that just it they just elicit passion. Completely. And that's the sports sure. arena. So I gotta tell you about the play. The 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 thing about the play that I always thought because people had asked me if, if they should do I've never done a sequel or anything. Right. Honored that they ask. But like a lot of people would come and said, "You should do a sequel to Jerry Maguire." Right. You should do a sequel to say anything singles, and stuff and all of
0: singles. Them. Fast Times. Where's everybody today? I've gotten that a million many times. times,
1: and it's just there's there's a thing when you're a, when you're lucky enough to catch something, lightning in a bottle or whatever. John Cusack at that point in his life, or Cruise at that point when he was playing Jerry Maguire, you kind of feel like, "Let's let it be. Let's not let's not try and." pretend that there was more as yep. a business venture because yep. it wasn't.
0: I'm sure it's tempting sometimes. Not
1: really because <laughs> I, I would have to write it. And then you're the, then you're the guy in the room going, why am I doing this when I'm real happy with the movie as it is? Right. Something about almost famous though. People love the feeling. I love the feeling that the movie has agreed. And it, it, it happened. It was a combination of those people the cinematographer just being the right time of life to, to kind of want to celebrate that. And we had just made Jerry Maguire, which was a hit. Nobody really expected it would be a hit like that. So I felt like I got one credit line. I got yeah. one thing I can do that they got to say yes to. And that was Almost Famous, which was our little love letter to San Diego yeah. and music and family. Biopic. And it caught something. It's the only movie people ask me about when I go out or something. What do you and, think
0: it is about it? Because I have theories. It's but a I'm, feeling.
1: I want to hear your theory. People say to me all the time, like, I showed it to my kids because I wanted them to feel what the music made me feel. And not just as classic rock that you hear on the radio or in restaurants or, in, you know, where, everywhere commercials. This is what it really felt like. It was a community And it was a feeling that you were understood in this music and that you would go to a place and see Leonard Skinner and you would feel something that gives you chills to remember today. And maybe there was a tiny bit of that in the movie. So I thought like if we could do the play and create that environment where you could go into that room and hear some of that music and see those characters and feel like for two and a half hours you you were back in it's 1973 and everything was not even classic rock anymore it was rock right then we got a shot at something that's worth doing yeah and and now we're doing it
0: and, and that was my bit that across generations that it had this communal vibe yeah. and how many movies do you go to where the people are singing in the theater together, which is much like live theater. So for me, it was, it translated perfectly. Thanks. Beyond that. And I was thinking about it as I was driving over here is just, what is it about your films and your trajectory that I've connected with as a male over the years? And I think, it did end with Almost Famous, but I think of the protagonists in all your movies, and I just always appreciated the fact that they weren't these dumb dudes who were super alpha, and the guys who just go into a room and degrade women, and and the day that we live in today, you were doing stuff that was so outside the box when it came to the male (laughs) protagonists, that those are all the men and we're trying to be in 2019. Yeah, yeah. And that's the guy I related to when I was a kid. Yeah. Now it's the type of person we're all trying to be today as adults. Yeah. I don't know if you I see that. I love what you're but.
1: saying. I, I got to say, being a little guy, there was a there was a guy I met, and uh, I, I spent a lot of time with this guy at the San Diego Sports Arena, as a matter of fact. I loved his band, his Ronnie Van Zant and Leonard Skinner. And wow. to me... Ronnie Van Zant is as good of a symbol of how to be a man as anybody I've ever met since. Losing that guy was a huge loss for music and for life. He was a great man, great with women, great with his band. Got nuts sometimes trying to keep those dudes together and moving <laughs> forward. Happens. But in the best, most noble way. And I... I When we put Simple Man in the play, I was the happiest guy in the world because I just want to tip a hat to Ronnie any chance I get. So, you know, there's a million books about, you know, silly behavior from rock stars. I remember Ronnie. I remember Robert Plant looking out for me as a young journalist and wanting to give me a great story. I don't remember, you know, abuse of anybody. Some of the women that are written about and Almost Famous, you call them groupies or band-aids or whatever. Right. They were like sisters to me in a way, helping me to get these stories. So like for every exploitive predatory rock star story you hear, I was there and I didn't experience it that way. That's so amazing it it might've been that there and definitely was, wasn't my experience. And yeah. this is an autobiographical story. So I wrote about the people that matter to me.
0: And were you able to thread a lot of this music into the production here
1: at the Globe? and new music by Tom Kitt, uh, who's just super cool, great writer. He's like a Brian Wilson of, of theater, you know, so he's just got all kinds of sounds coming through. We were just working on something that was kind of channeling Pete Townsend and... I don't know. For a music fan, it's like Disneyland. You know, just like the, the most fun weekend blast having a musical geek out or something. That's what it's kind of been, putting the stuff together.
0: Well, as a fan of yours, uh, you know, where we started, I can't tell you how excited we That's are to Chris. have this production here and you <laughs> in the community. It's, it's Thank next you. level.
1: I really wanted to talk to you about it because it's it was, it was the only choice. Because they say to you, well, you can play in Atlanta. Or you can do something over here, or they have great shows in Oklahoma City, or you can go to San Diego. I'm like, you really asking me that question? Because yes. it's San Diego Come or on. nothing. It's got to be, because the, then we just can go home.
0: Exactly. And I can't wait to see where it goes from here, much like you. Thanks, brother. It's going to take off from here, just like Cameron <laughs> Crowe did at 18 years old. All right. Before Thanks, I say goodbye, this is my last question that I'm saving for the end. Cool. My listeners know that Fast Times at Ridgemont High Mm -hmm. is my favorite movie of all time. Life-changing movie. It's often quoted, drops, (laughs) the whole trip. It's just, it's it. I don't need to explain it to you anymore. Just for the sake of
1: written on Fiesta Island, I must say
0: I would just love a little <laughs> anecdote about the birth of Fast Times at Ridgemont High as oh, it wow. relates to San Diego, because there's so many yeah, yeah. different, varying stories, yeah. and we can get it from the oh, wow. guy. Yeah, the guy. Well,
1: it's it's a year in the life of a, of a of a school here in San Diego that I I kind of can't really say, but everybody says pretty it's much school. knows. Um, but they were kind enough to let me hang out there for two semesters. And this, Fast Times, is really like a story about stuff that I saw, felt, heard, people I met. And um, the funny thing was when, when I, my mom skipped me a bunch of grades, which is present the almost famous story. So it was really like a senior year that I never had. And I went to Disneyland, I went to prom, I did all this stuff, that I had not been able to do the if first time. Because you were on time. the road with bands. Yeah, I was, you know, having this amazing life. But I admit, luckily, as a journalist, it was an amazing opportunity to meet the bands I loved. But I, there was a part of me that was always like, God, I never got to go to prom like my sisters. I right. really had a blast doing all that. So anyway, so Fast Times is this fun opportunity to kind of like go back and do that and see what was happening in... in uh, forgive me if I'm going on too much, but writing these profiles of bands you're going to concerts and there's like twenty thousand people in in the arena and whatever and and there's a part of you that goes like well their stories are going to be as good as the band yep so when do i get to write about people in the audience so i started interviewing people in the audience just in profiles but fast times was a chance to make it all about people my age who i hadn't really been able to spend a lot of time with So the point of it is, Fast Times was like, real life is the best writer. You can't make up a lot of that stuff. And these were real people. They're real people, real characters. The rats. When you say these names, the real people are in my head. And I'm very grateful to them. What happened though was, when I wrote the book, first it was an article, then it was a book, and then it became a movie. But when I wrote the book, people were like, where is that school? That school is a lawless school. Look, they're, 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 there's drug Please. use in the parking lot. There's like a girl having sex. This is where you have to reveal this school. Come on. And I was like, I can't reveal the school. <laughs> now, Chris, over time, the Ridgemont High School feels like the best, most quiet. That's where I want to put my kids. I'm like, where is this school? This is like, there's no guns. Yes. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's choices for women. There's actually, choices for women. I'm it's like, in. There's diversity. It's all Bring good. It. It's all Bring good. It. Kids Where are is that school? in from the inner city. So now I'm like, you know, I wish my kids had gone to that school that that became Ridgemont. So it's like, it's a, it's a glimpse of a slightly more innocent time but it even at the time i just have to say this about fast times it was funny as hell that whole year the real jeff spicoli the last time i saw him he was coming down the street shirtless with a paul mccartney wings type (laughs) necklace
0: is he still in san diego i have i
1: ask about him a lot but the last time i saw him he was just heading down the street and i was like hey Dude. Where are you going, you know? And he's like, a party down the street, man. I hear they got a ball of jack.
0: <laughs> I'm like, see ya. And, and that's real- the last I saw of him. And you realize that people have modeled their lives after him.
1: You know, there have been years where I modeled my life after him. Word. <laughs> okay, maybe last weekend i modeled my life after him i don't know but i'm grateful to all of them and i feel it really really strongly here in san diego and i want to go back to fiesta island because i used to like
0: that loop yeah i just do that crazy loop and look at the jet
1: skis and just park and write i I gotta do more of that
0: oh that was amazing thank you thank you so much to cameron crow uh for your time especially while you're in the middle of uh doing rewrites almost famous the musical officially hits the stage opens this friday at the old globe again scattered limited tickets still available especially uh, towards the end of the production but if you're interested the old globe.org i can't wait to see the production on tuesday and i will definitely report back to you otherwise um thank you i think my necklace just hit my mic uh, to, to Dave and to Susan down at the Old Globe for making this interview possible and arranging the sit-down with Cameron. I appreciate the two of you so much. It was uh, certainly a career highlight in my world, and uh, Cameron couldn't have been any cooler. So looking forward to seeing the production. Thanks for checking out Talking Story. Be sure to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google We'll be up on the, uh, on the Spotify momentarily. Otherwise, we've got patrons out there that help us out on the Patreon. You know who you are. With a special shout-out to Mariposa Ice Cream, who have been with us since the, since the first day, local, homemade ice cream shop. The best on the planet with locations in normal heights, Temecula, Oceanside, Murrieta, and online at MariposaIceCream.com. All the best. It's a good day.